Now say it with me, we're getting our lands, we're getting our buildings, we're getting our houses, we're getting our vehicles, and our equipments, and God is bringing into our hands great big seed, and as we sow it, we will reap a large harvest. We call this church... Paid in full, years and years ahead of time. This place is full of God's people and full of God's presence. Our vision is being fulfilled together. Look around and point at your neighbor and say, together. We are reaching the lost, healing the hurting. And maturing the believer. Amen and amen. Now, Father, we come before you today in the name of Jesus. Thank you for speaking to us through the word of God and by the spirit of God. We thank you that Jesus is our peace. And Lord, we look unto you this morning to give utterance. I pray that the eyes of our hearts would be flooded with light. Our spirits would be strengthened. We would be be encouraged and inspired and challenged by your word. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said amen. Amen. You may be seated. This morning, I want to talk to you about Jesus is your peace. From the book of Ephesians in chapter 2. And we notice in verse 14. Ephesians, the second chapter, it says... For he is our peace. This is speaking of Jesus. Who hath made both one. And hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us. You know when you receive Jesus, you receive his peace. One of the things that Isaiah says about unto us a child is born. One of the names is he is the prince of peace. Your peace has been purchased by the Prince of Peace. My peace has been purchased by Jesus, who is my peace. Not only did he pay the price for your sin, not only did he pay the price that you may be whole physically, but he also paid the price for your soul to be at ease and for your soul to be at peace. Now we look at Isaiah chapter 53 and verse 5 and we see that very clearly. <clears throat> Isaiah 53:5 says, "But he was wounded for our transgressions, he was bruised for our iniquities, that's our sin." But now notice this, the chastisement, another way to say that is this, the punishment needful to obtain peace and well-being for us was upon him. We could say it this way. He became fearful. He became anxious. He became extremely worried that you might have his peace, that you might have a mind that is free from torment. The chastisement of your peace was upon him. And then it goes on to say, and with his stripes... We are, what are we? We are healed. So my peace has been purchased. Now, just because your peace has been purchased 
does not necessarily mean you're walking in peace. Because there's a whole lot of things that are going to come against your soul to trouble it, to cause anxiety, and to cause worry and fear to come into your life. If the devil had his way, he'd keep us upset, troubled, worry, anxious about something all the time. I mean, at all times. He is the author of trouble. He is the one who comes to bring fear and torment to your mind and to your soul. Now, we want to notice some things that Jesus, who is our peace, said that we must do and we must not do. So look at John chapter 14 with me, verse 1. And notice this statement it says here. Let not your heart be what? Let not your heart be troubled. If you believe in God, believe also in me. Notice this statement, let not. Yeah, but Pastor Mark, if you knew what was going on in my life, I've got a pass to be troubled. Well, not according to the words of Jesus. What Jesus is saying, whatever comes your way, don't let it trouble you. And I, for one, have made the decision, I'm not going to argue with the Lord. Let's just be real about it. If our hearts are troubled, we let our hearts be troubled. So what are you saying, Pastor Mark? It's not so much what I'm saying, it's what Jesus, who is our peace, is saying. One of the things I know for sure, it is your choice and it is my choice to be troubled or not to be troubled. This is the question. Now, since he told us not to be troubled, he has to furnish us with the equipment or we could say it this way, with the substance for us not to be troubled. Amen? I mean, if he told you, don't be troubled, you must have the ability not to be troubled. Oh, see this, guys. Don't let this be too simple to you this morning. Notice with me in verse 27. He says, peace I leave with you. My peace. I give unto you. I submit to you this morning that the Prince of Peace, the power of peace, the fruit of peace, the very peace that he walked in is now on the inside of you and it is the substance for you and the ability for you not to be troubled. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. He says, it's not as the world gives, give I unto you. And then he says it again. Let's read the last part of that verse. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Say it with me. His peace enables me not to be troubled. Now I want to look at that in the amplified version, if we may. 
And I want to just look at the last part of that specific verse. Again, it says it more emphatically. Notice with me, stop allowing yourselves to be agitated and disturbed. And do not permit yourselves to be fearful or intimidated and cowardly and unsettled. Now, pressures and cares are going to come. Thoughts and feelings of worry and anxiety will come. They come to every one of us. No matter who we are, no matter the color of our skin, no matter our, of our status economically or socially, anxieties and troubles and worries are no respecter of persons. They are real. But here's the thing. Just because it comes on you and it comes against you and it tries to squeeze you and tries to oppress you doesn't mean that you have to let it in you. On you and against you is not all the same as in you. There's a huge difference of trouble knocking on the door and you keeping the door shut or you opening the door. Say it with me, no weapon formed against me is going to prosper. I mean, just because the wind may be blowing against your house doesn't mean it's blowing in your kitchen. Or just because it's 92 degrees on your roof doesn't mean that it's 92 degrees in your bedroom. How many of you know it can be totally different on the inside of you than what's going on on the outside of you? Woo, it's because you got Jesus. Who is your peace on the inside? And if you'll give him place in your life, he'll work on the outside all right. Jesus is saying, don't let it in. Well, if I'm not going to let it in, what am I going to do, Pastor Mark? I'm going to rise up and I'm going to resist it. I'm going to have this attitude. I'm not going to let this trouble trouble me. I'm not going to allow this thing to intimidate me, cause to be, me to be fearful or a coward. I'm going to do what the Word of God says going to do. I'm going to cast all my care on Him because I know beyond any shadow of a doubt that He cares for me. And in knowing that He cares me and loves me, it's going to take that fear and it's going to turn it outdoors and it's going to dispel every trace of terror. Why? Because I have faith in a faithful God. I have faith in Jesus who is my peace. And the love of God triumphs, hallelujah, fear, and it cast it out. So this is the attitude that you have to have. I'm not letting it in. If someone knocked on your door at three in the morning, you wouldn't just open your door and say, come on in. You'd want to know what insane person is out there. And you'd want to make sure that you kept the door shut. 
Now, a great example of this is the Apostle Paul. So let's look over at something he said in 2 Corinthians 11 and verse 28. Notice this. He said, beside those things that are without. He faced a lot of things coming against the revelation that he had. He says, that which cometh upon me, again, I want you to notice, cometh upon me daily, what? The care of all the churches. Notice what he said, it comes upon me, but not, that is not the same as I'm letting it in me. Now the ASV version of this specific verse says this. And I want you to be thinking in terms of not only the cares, what Paul was facing of all the churches, because he was an apostle to many churches, but I want you to think it in terms of what kind of cares come upon you daily it might be the care of your business it might be the care of a a physical situation it might be the care of a loved one I want you to think in terms with me as we read these verses what challenges you face what are those things that come upon you for Paul it was the care of all the churches notice with me and let's read the ASV together ready read Beside those things that are without, there is that which presseth upon me daily, anxiety for all the churches. I want you to pay particular attention to that word presseth. In other words, these things are pressing Paul. There are things that come to us all that press us, try to oppress us, and try to bring us down. Paul was saying, I've been pushed. I've been pressed. How many of you know that spiritual pressure is deadly? Spiritual pressure from the enemy can be extremely dangerous and deadly unless you know how to deal with it. I mean, we live in a dark world. And you and I, we cannot control everything around us. Some people think that the solution to getting out of this kind of pressure is to move geographically. Well, if you moved from Oakland to Maui, Guess what? The pressure's there. Oh, you might feel good for a couple days. And that's great. But geographically, the enemy is the same. He comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. He walks about as a roaring lion. Seeking whom he may devour. Amen. Whom resists steadfast with your faith. Other people think, well, it's it's this relationship I'm in. I'll try a new one. There's no perfect human being. 
Others say, well, it's this job and it's these crazy people on the job. And so I'm going to go get me another job. How many of you know there's crazy people waiting on the new job? (laughs) There is no perfect case scenario in this world. It doesn't matter where you are or where you're going. The enemy will always try to disrupt you and get you upset about any old little thing that he can. One thing we will know for sure about him, he is persistent. But you and I can be more persistent. There's no place in this world where there's no pressure. Now listen to this statement. This is worth your drive this morning. It is not the pressure that comes against you that will hurt you. It is the pressure that you let in inside of you. Paul was tempted to carry the care of all the churches. He was pressed over it. But Paul is the same one who said, be careful for nothing. Paul is the same one who said, don't have any anxiety or be fretful about anything, but instead pray about everything. And do it with a spirit of thanksgiving. Paul knew how to keep that which came against him and upon him at bay so that it wouldn't get in him. Now look at 2 Corinthians. Are you still here? Look at 2 Corinthians and notice with me in chapter 1, verses 8 through 10. See, those things may come against you, but you don't have to be moved on the inside. Say with me, I'm like a tree planted by the waters, and I shall not be. I shall not be. I shall not be moved. Pastor Mark, I've already been moved. I've been moved here and I've been moved there. That's yesterday. Today's a new day. Just because you've wavered, just because you've moved doesn't mean you need to move today. You can be a steadfast, heart-fixed, trusting in the Lord, man or woman of God, and not allow these things to be in your life. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 8 through 10 says, for we would not, brethren, have you ignorant of our trouble, our trouble, which came to us in Asia, that we were pressed out of measure, above strength, insomuch that we despaired even of life. Some people can get so pressed and oppressed and depressed and weighed down and pushed down by the circumstances of life that they commit suicide. Paul was saying it was so bad that the temptation came that we didn't want to live anymore. Now, I'm not going to ask for a show of hands who have ever felt that way before. But notice with me in verse 9. It says, we had the sentence of death in ourselves. In other words, death was coming against us. The circumstances were besieging us. 
But we didn't trust in ourselves. But we put our confidence in the God who raised Jesus from the dead. And he goes, goes on to say, who delivered us from so great a death and he does deliver us and whom we trust that he will yet deliver us. Yes. Pressure came on him. Pressure comes on me. Pressure comes on you. But oh, brothers and sisters, we can trust in the God who raised Jesus from the dead. And since he raised Jesus from the dead, he can take care of your babies. He can take care of your body. He can take care of your finances. We're talking about resurrection power in our lives. Amen. Amen. Now let's go to John 16, verse 33. Thank you, Paul. John 16, verse 33. Jesus said, These things I have spoken unto you. Has he spoken to us today? He said that in me, you might have what? He says, in me, you have peace. How many of you know it's good to know what's in you? Because what's in him is in you. Oh, say it three times. Jesus, Jesus. is my peace. Jesus, Jesus is my peace. Jesus, Jesus you, are my peace. you are my peace. So he carefully differentiates between what's in him and what's in the world. Aren't you glad that even though you're living in the world, you're not of this world? You are of another family. You are of another kingdom. You are of the kingdom of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Amen. He says, now, I've spoken these things to you that in me you may have peace. Now, in the world... In the world, you're going to have tribulation. Now, that word tribulation, I looked that up. It means a pressing. It means a pushing. It means pressure. The tribulation in this world is designed to annihilate the word in you. Jesus very carefully taught this in the sower sows the word he says the cares of this life they enter in and what do they do they choke the word causing the word of God in our lives to become unfruitful my brothers and sisters that's not a good thing now in Luke chapter 21 in verse 24 you don't need to turn there let me just read it to you and I want you to keep that verse up there in the world, there's going to be a press. In the world, there's going to be pressure. Here's what Jesus said. He said, take heed to yourselves and be on your guard. That means we're to be watchful, right? Lest your hearts be overburdened and depressed or pressed down. In other words, wake up, be on guard, unless... Your hearts be overcharged or weighed down. Now notice, he says, with the giddiness and headache 
and nausea of self-indulgence. That can weigh a person down. Drunkenness, and then he goes on to say, and worldly worries and cares pertaining to the busyness of this life. Worries and cares and anxieties, the scripture says, will depress you, will weigh you down, will enable, will cause you to be ineffective in your walk with Christ. Is it important that our heart be free? The Bible says that we are to protect our spirit with all diligence because out of our heart, out of our spirit, flow the very issues of life. It's out of your heart that flows the righteousness of God. It's out of your heart that flows the love of God. Is not faith of the heart. So our heart needs to be free from all cares. Come on, somebody. All fears and all worries. Amen. And so, again, just because something's happened on the outside doesn't mean you need to let it on the inside. Amen. Let me just quote a few scriptures for you this morning for the sake of time, but it says in Proverbs twelve twenty five that an anxious heart weighs a man down. The old English term for that is to choke or to strangle. Now I want you to look at Proverbs twelve twenty five in the New King James Version, if you would, this morning. Proverbs twelve twenty five <clears throat> In the New King James Version says this, Anxiety in the heart of man causes depression. But, a good word. But a what? What kind of word? Is not God good? We could say it this way, but God's word. Will make your heart glad... <laughs> it'll make your heart happy. Amen. So Jesus is our peace in the midst of pressure. I've written in my notes, you and I have heaven's peace for earth's pressures. Just put your hand over your heart. Pray this with me. Lord God, Lord God. I choose peace over pressure. I choose not to be careful about anything. You see, I can choose to be carefree instead of careful. Amen? You can be careful for nothing <laughs> Or you can be careful about everything. True. I'm not worried about America. I'm not going to bed at night tossing and turning about what's happening in America. After all, what good would worry do concerning the United States of America? I think you know the answer. Nada. I have a quote here I want to read to you. 
worry is like a rocking chair. It gives you something to do, but you won't go anywhere. We ate the other day at Cracker Barrel down in Branson. Cracker Barrel is known for country food. And uh, right in the middle of the day, I had mashed potatoes and gravy and turkey and dressing. And oh, my, 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 collards. I think I just heard the organ. I had some fried okra, hay, some biscuits, some gravy, some cornbread. They forgot my blackberry jam and I asked for it, but I finally got it. Now, question, do you think I was full by the time I was done? I was full 20 minutes before I was done. We could say I was weighed down. So outside when you go, you know, head for your car, they've got a big, huge row of rocking chairs. And there were a couple good old boys out there. You know what I mean by a good old boy? They got their snuff over here and they're talking like this. And good old boys. So Brenda and I moved away from the good old boys and went down the row apiece. And we sat down in those rocking chairs. And after a few minutes, I looked at Brenda. I said, I suppose we better get going. Because if we stayed in that rocking chair, we weren't going anywhere. Now, rocking chairs are good in the right context. But if it's a worry rocking chair, you need to get off that rocking chair right away. Here's another quote. The beginning of anxiety is the end of faith. The beginning of anxiety is the end of faith. But listen to this. And the beginning of faith is the end of anxiety. Here's another one. Worry is a thin stream of fear trickling through the mind. If it continues, it cuts a channel into which all other thoughts are drained. Being pressed and yielding to the pressure will never do you and me any good at any time, in no way, not at all. But when you and I are carefree, when we've rolled all our cares over on God, and when we pass the tests that come, and the tests will come. When we say, I'm going to pass that worry up today. I'm going to resist that today. I'm not going to let that into my mind. Yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, but. I don't care how many yeah, buts we hear. Yes, the word of God is my final authority. Come on, somebody. Here's what will happen. When you pass the test, you will enter in to glorious rest. Those that believe and those that receive Jesus as their peace and let that peace rule in their entire lives, those are them that will walk 
in the rest of God and walk in a peace that passes our entire understanding. I'm telling you, folks, there's peace for your soul, there's peace for your body, and there's rest for your body. I mean, you can get so full of peace this afternoon, you just put your head on the pillow and take yourself a good old Sunday afternoon nap. A lot of times before I lay down, I'll say this, I will both lay me down in peace and I'm going to sleep. For you alone make my heart to dwell in safety. Look at 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 7. 2 Timothy, the first chapter. And is it important what we keep our mind on? In Isaiah, he says, I will keep him in perfect peace. Who's what? Whose mind is stayed upon me. I'll keep him in perfect peace. That's shalom, shalom. You can't beat a double whammy of shalom. I'll keep him in total wholeness, total peace, if he will or she will keep their mind stayed on me. Spiritual mindedness is a big key to big peace. For to be carnally minded is death. But Romans 8, 6 says, for to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Hallelujah. In 2 Timothy 1, verse 7, I want us to read this a couple of times. And let's first of all read it like it says, and then I'll lead you in a confession. Ready, read. For God has not given us the spirit of fear, but a power... One more time. For God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and love and of a sound mind. Now declare this with me. God's not given me the spirit of fear, but the spirit of faith, the spirit of power and love. And what kind of a mind? We have within us three things. Number one, the power of God. We have within us the power of God. He's given us power. The power of God through the Holy Ghost, which makes you and I victors instead of victims. Number two, He's given us love. Is not the love of God shed abroad in our heart by the Holy Ghost? And we quoted it early that perfect love cast out all fear. So you have power, the Holy Ghost in you. You've got love shed abroad in your heart by the Holy Ghost. And then lastly, you have a sound mind. You have a sound mind. Now, if we'll just apply these truths, this will absolutely determine whether we are overcoming fear or whether we are overcome by fear. I purpose in my heart to shut it down. Shut down all worry. To shut down worry and anxiety and the pressures that come against us. Number one, we need to shut down all doubt and unbelief. We need to watch our words. Words are containers. Secondly, 
We need to create an atmosphere conducive for His presence and shut down all things that would intrude. If you can't handle the news, don't watch the news. If you're more full of the world's news than you are the good news, you need to just take us news. Because you're not going to hear... You're not going to hear how many people lived last night in the world. The only thing you're going to hear is how many people died. You've got to shut down those triggers. Now, here's another thought. You've got to make sure that you watch very closely who you associate with. Who you allow to come into the inner circle of your friendships and of your relationships. Because all men don't have faith. Somebody says, does that mean that you are ugly toward them? No, you just have to protect your heart. I'm not going to allow people into my life. I'm not going to give them ear, my ear, if they're not going to speak faith. If they're not going to speak what the Word says, I don't need them close to me. And neither do you. Amen. Amen. Shut it down. Shut, shut down all associates. That doesn't mean that you can't be nice to them. It doesn't mean that you can't from time to time fellowship with them in a, in a different setting. But you have to be very careful about what you are hearing and who you give your ear to. And then lastly... Be watchful of what you give place to. Be watchful of what you give place to. Ephesians 4.27 says, Neither give place to the devil. What are you saying, Pastor? I'm saying give place to the Word. In all things that you face, your question should be, what does the Word say? What does Jesus say? Jesus is your peace. Rise up and resist anything and everything or anybody that would come against your peace. Amen? Let's all stand.